All right, welcome back to another episode on Aligned with Purpose in Life and Leadership. And today on the Expert Series, I have a very special guest, and her name is Tanya Dalton. She's a best-selling author, twice actually, a transformational speaker and nationally recognized productivity expert. She helps female executives and entrepreneurs step into purposeful leadership. In addition to having her very first book, The Joy of Missing Out, being named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune Magazine, Tanya's podcast, The International Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners around the world. She's also featured expert on several networks, including NBC and Fox, and is a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur Magazine. Tanya has been featured in some of the world's leading publications, including Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, and Real Simple. She's been awarded the Elite Enterprising Women Award and has been named the female entrepreneur to watch for the state of North Carolina. Her highly anticipated second book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success, launched last fall through HarperCollins Publishing. You guys, I hope you're as excited as I am. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Wow, I, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, everything that I just read and went through for your introduction is exactly, I, I mean, it couldn't be in more alignment with what we speak about here. And so I would love to just kick this off by asking you, what does it feel like for you to be aligned with your purpose? Oh, I love that we're starting with that because I think it's so important to be aligned with your purpose. I feel like when you really understand that vision of, of where it is you want to go and you live your life with intention, if you live your days, so you're doing making little incremental steps towards that bigger vision, everything just feels easier. It feels lighter. Because when you go to bed at night, it feels so good, right? For me, it's this idea of reconciling the receipts. That's what I say. At the end of the day, I reconcile the receipts. I go through all the things that I did in the day and does it reconcile? Does it feel good? Or did it feel like it took me everywhere but where I wanted to go, right? And so it really is, that's the litmus test for me. It's really about going to bed and feeling really good about how my day went what I did for my business, what I did for my people in my world, whether that's customers and clients or my friends and family, there's so much meaning to life when you live on purpose. There truly is. Mm. Oh, I love this. And when you talk about reconciling those receipts at the end of the day, that's something so simple that I feel for the majority of the people only happens right once a year or something when Mm -hmm. they're setting those intentions for the new year. So I would love to hear, have you always done this? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, a lot of times when we, you know, step into leadership, it's because there were gaps in our past, right? We have their mistakes or things that we didn't go, that didn't go right. I really truly believe that we go through life and we wear what I call your invisible backpack, where we're gathering together our experiences, our knowledge, our failures, the things we didn't like, the regret, and we're putting it in our backpack, right? And it becomes this big, heavy thing that we carry through life. 
And if, if we don't take the time to take it off and unpack it from time to time, we forget it's all there and we discount what we've done. But a lot of times, really, our powers, the things that make us amazing, that make us unique, are built out of the regret. They're built out of the failure. They're built out of the ugliness in our life that we just wouldn't want to repeat. I like to tell people because people will often say like, oh, that word purpose is so heavy. I just don't know. Like they feel like it defines them now and forever. And I say, you know what? It's so much easier to know what you don't want than to know what you do. So for example, if I were to say to the listeners today, I want you to list out 10 things that you want in your life. What are 10 things that you want to have happen this year? They'd be like, oh my gosh, I don't know. It's a little bit overwhelming. It could be this or maybe I don't know. But if I said instead, I want you to list 10 things you wouldn't want to repeat, you wouldn't want to have happen this year, you'd say only 10. Can I write down like 100? <laughs> right? But here's the thing. When we know what we don't want, it's incredibly powerful because we can push against that regret and build that resilience into that life we really want. Our purpose is often hidden in those hard moments of our past. It's been there all along. We've just been hiding it underneath the bed, right? So for me, like anyone else, there are moments of regret. There are moments of failure. There's moments of failing, of feeling like the worst mom ever, right? That have built me and changed me and shifted me into who I am. But it takes stopping and reconciling the receipts, stopping and asking that question, how do I feel? Why do I feel that way? Because it's not enough just to say, oh, I'm the world's worst mom, or I'm a terrible boss, or I don't do anything right. Let's ask the next question, why? Get to the root of why you feel that way. Because when you get to that root, it is so incredibly powerful. And in my book, in On Purpose, I actually talk about this idea, this exercise called the fifth why, because that first why, it's going to be shallow. It's going to be super surface level, right? Oh, I just don't feel good because I feel like a failure. That doesn't get us anywhere. Let's ask the question, why five times? Why do I feel like a failure? I feel like a failure because of this. Why do I feel this way? And keep going a little bit deeper. Five times of asking that question, why, that gets us to that root and when we understand what the root is, we can pull it up and we can shift it. We can change it. And that, like anybody else who's out there leading, that's part of that journey is pulling up those limiting beliefs, pulling up those old stories that we tell ourselves, shifting them and turning them into action. Mm. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is we're the creator. Every single yes. day we get to make these decisions. And so if we were to go back in time, before you started, you know, maybe unloading the contents from this backpack. <laughs> it's a big what's backpack. Your, <laughs> what's your story before this shift? Yeah, well, you know, I started my first business in 2008. I started with $50 and zero business experience. Like didn't even take a course in college. Zero. When I say zero, I mean like negative business mm -hmm. experience. But I started it as a side hobby and I knew I wanted to grow my business because um, I'd had a conversation with my husband who was traveling the world for a Fortune 500 company at the time who felt like he was missing out on the moments with our kids. So I knew I wanted to grow my business to absorb his MBA income. And that became this, this big goal for me, this big vision, right? This big purpose, you could say. Mm -hmm. And in pursuit of that, 
I lost myself a couple of times, right? You get really laser focused on this idea and you lose track of who you really are and what you're really doing it for. I think it's so easy to lose sight of the why we're doing it. Like I was doing it so that my family could have a lifestyle where my husband was home with the kids and I was home with the kids and we had more time freedom, but I found that I was pursuing and chasing busy all day, right? Trying to do all the things, trying to do the next thing, looking around at what everybody else was doing and saying, oh, I should do that and taking on more simply for the sake of doing more. I think so often we feel like if we aren't busy, we're somehow failing. And I went through that myself. I, I had this moment where, you know, I was thick in the middle of growing the business. My husband uh, was at work and I heard him come home from the garage and I'm in the kitchen with the kids trying to cook a pot of spaghetti. And my husband doesn't come in, doesn't come in, doesn't come in the house. Four minutes pass and I'm losing it at this point because I'm irritated because I'm in there working away, waiting for him to come in so I can get more done, right? Because my relief is here. I can get more things done on my list. Mm -hmm. I stomped over to the garage door. I opened it up and I saw him laughing with something on the radio, some little bit. And I was furious. I was so mad. I thought, how dare he do that? How dare he sit in the car enjoying himself? I would never do that. And that was the moment that changed me. I would never give myself four minutes to sit in the car and laugh. I wouldn't give myself four minutes to transition from work into home. I wouldn't give myself that. I realized that in the pursuit of what I thought was productivity, I was trying to do more. And true productivity isn't about doing more. It's doing what's most important. So it really took a shifting. That moment really allowed me to shift, to step back and say, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And when I started doing that on a regular basis, it became so much easier to say, oh, this doesn't really fit on my plate. This doesn't align with what I really want. This doesn't align with who I am. I'm doing these things because I think I should be or I'm supposed to be. Two words that I think are red flag words. When we say should be or have to or you know, supposed to, that's, that's a sure sign that we're living our life aligned to somebody else's idea, somebody else's vision and not our own. Wow. You have such an incredible story and thank you so much for sharing it. I, I'm telling you, I had goosebumps going off when you were talking about your husband in the car because I see so many people live like, like that. Not like your mm -hmm. husband, like you were in that moment. Like me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There yeah. is, there's this, oh, well, society yeah. kind of puts us in this idea. There's all this like hustle culture, right? Where it's like, go, go, go. And if you, if you're not doing something constantly, if you're not growing, you're dying. And that's not true. That's not true with your business. It's okay to have plateaus and breathers and time to implement and integrate. It's okay to, to take a breath and look around and say, do I like the view? Do I like where I am? It's okay to press pause from time to time. Hey, it's okay to sometimes throw out an old goal that no longer aligns. But we feel this obligation because we are hurrying through life. And in hurrying through life, we're missing all the joy. We're missing all of the moments of happiness that are right there in the cracks and crevices of every single day. So that's really what I'm here to do is to help women step back, really take a good look and say, gosh, there is, there is so much happiness here. I've just, I've just been chasing busy and I need to stop doing that. And mm -hmm. how do I do it? Right. That's the big question. Mm, yeah. So then let's go there. 
Yeah. <laughs> How do you do it? That's a good question. Well, the question. first thing is, yeah, you got, you have to stop saying yes to everything. I think so often we feel like every time somebody comes knocking on that door, we got to open it, right? Opportunity only knocks once. So we open the door. Does it matter who's knocking or what they're holding in their hands? And we say, yes, yes, yes. We say yes out of obligation. We say yes out of expectation. We say yes because we don't know what else to say sometimes, right? Like we find ourselves saying yes and five seconds later going, no, oh, what did I just do? Or we say yes and then we feel really frustrated and irritated about these obligations we put ourselves into. So one of the first things is, is really recognizing that when somebody asks you if you want to do something, Again, I think this is going to be the theme that we're going to talk about today. It's stepping back and giving your time to assess, to check it out. You know, having a go-to phrase ready when somebody asks you a question, because here's what happens. You're on the sideline cheering on your kid's soccer game. Somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, we need you to volunteer for the bake sale. We need like 96 dozen brownies tomorrow. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yes, because you, you're so thrown off guard. If instead we have a go-to phrase like, oh, that sounds like an incredible opportunity. I need to step back and check with my family or I need to check with my calendar. Let me get back with you. And then we step back and we ask ourselves the questions. The first question is not, do I have the time? Because here's what we do. We ask the question, do we have the time? And we think, oh, I have 15 minutes. So yeah, I can say yes to this four hour activity, right? Mm -hmm. Or we think that we should fill that time. It's not a question of whether you have the time or not. It's the first question is, does this align? Is this sound good to me? Is this something that really fits my, my North Star, my mission, my vision, my core values? Okay, does this get me excited? Is this an organization that I'm aligned with, right? Asking these questions before we ask, Okay, now, do I have the time? Because really, if it's not aligned, it doesn't matter if you have the time or not, because that time, that could be gifted to something else. It could be gifted to something else you are passionate about, something that is aligned with who you are and what you desire in this world. So stop asking yourself the question, do I have the time? Start asking, do I want to do this? How do I feel? Don't, don't disregard that feeling in your gut that feels like a pit. You have a pit in your stomach, that's telling you something, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if that feeling in your stomach is like, ooh, kind of like, you know, being at the top of a roller coaster and it feels nervous, that's not necessarily a no. That could just be, this is something big I'm excited about, right? So pay attention to your emotions, pay attention to what your body is telling you, pay attention to what you believe your purpose is. Then we can ask the question of whether you had enough time or not. Mm. Yeah. And I feel so often in the moment, people feel like they have to answer right then and oh, there. Yeah. We got to fill that space. We don't like empty spaces yeah. in our in our calendar. We don't like it in our conversations. So we mm -hmm. jump in to fill it. So having that go-to phrase is so empowering. And really too, I know, you know, a lot of your listeners are entrepreneurs. It's really easy to feel like you have to say yes to all the things in your business, right? Especially as you're starting out, you feel like you have to wear all the hats and you have to wear them at the same time. Even if you don't like hats, you're wearing all the hats, right? So really dialing down and understanding what's the purpose behind my company? What is, what's really why we do what we do? Every business, whether you're a service or a product, you're not selling services or products. You're selling solutions. You're solving problems. Right now, there are people in this world that are praying, begging, asking for whatever it is you offer. 
and you solve those problems, right? So when we say yes to all these other things, we're, we're forgetting the customer who really needs us, the client whose problems we can really solve. So dialing in and understanding what is it I do in my business? What is the, the mission behind it? And your mission is not what you do. It's why you do it. Why do I do what I do? And then as opportunities come in, you filter through that same question, right? That we asked mm -hmm. on the sidelines of the soccer field. Does this align? How do I feel? What does this look like for me? Is this going to take my company, my business to where I want to go? Or am I just feeling like I'm supposed to do this or I should be doing this? Because we look around and we go, oh, this person over here is doing amazing things. I should do more of what they're doing. Or this person over here, they're doing great things. I should do that too. And we ignore our own unique gifts, our own unique things about us, our own superpowers that really make us unique and different in pursuit of trying to be like everybody else. So getting really clear on that is incredibly powerful. Mm, I love these questions and I wrote them down over here. So to make sure I got these right, but I wanted to repeat them uh, for those who are listening. Does this align? Mm -hmm. Does this- That's your first question every time, okay. no matter what, what the opportunity is. Okay. Does this align? Second was, does this fit my North Star? Is this taking me right the direction? Uh, number three, does this get me excited? Number four- How do four, I feel? Could be another way to phrase that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then uh, four, is this organization aligned? And then five, do I have the time? Yeah, look at that, question five. Not question one. We have a tendency mm. though to pop that one to the top of the list, don't we? Mm. So yeah. it really yeah. is- because here's the thing, if I were to say, okay, do you want five or 50? We're going to choose 50, no matter what it is, right? Oh, I want 50 because more sounds better. So if I say to you, okay, I want you to take 50 steps in 50 different directions, you can go forward and backwards and diagonal and to the back and all these different ways, where are you going to end up? I mean, you could end up in the same spot. You could end up further behind. You could end up lost. Let's be honest. Yeah. But if instead you chose to take five steps five intentional steps forward. Don't even have to be big steps. Where are you going to end up? Closer to where you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. We get caught up in the quantity of life and really it's the quality. It's the five meaningful things, the five intentional tasks rather than the 50 that take you everywhere, but where you want to go. You know, and I'm, I'm reading the one thing right now. And mm -hmm. this is a similar concept brought in that up in that book of where he's saying it's much easier to get to a lesser goal. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so this, this is kind of reminding me of that. Like it might be easier to take 50 little tiny steps all over the place, not really taking the time to ask yourself where you're truly going, but this way, I mean, if it leads you to right. your star, your purpose, like. Well, this is the that, thing too. Yeah. Easy. And this is the thing too, like we get caught up in that it has to be giant steps or they don't count, mm -hmm. right? There has to be these big leaps. We have to, we have to make this big running start and then jump and hope in order for it to count. And that's not true. I think so often we look at where we are today and where it is we want to go. And that distance between them feels like the Grand Canyon. It feels gigantic. So we think, gosh, I have to figure out how to build a jetpack to zoom me across in like 30 seconds, right? So we'll spend 20 years procrastinating, tinkering around, trying to build a jetpack. When the truth is, if we just put one foot in front of the other, tiny steps, one in front of the next, we could go down the walls of that Grand Canyon, cross the Grand Canyon and go up the other side. You can do that in a day. You can cross the Grand Canyon in one 
day. That seems vast, but it is. It's the small steps. And here's the truth. You're going to enjoy the view all along the route, right? And that's the thing. It's the idea that stopping and enjoying our everydays. Don't get caught up in that it has to be big because then we stymie ourselves. We, we end up feeling like we're overwhelmed or it's too big or I don't know what I'm doing. Just choose to take the small step. Choose to gift yourself 15 minutes to get closer to that goal. 15 minutes today. That's everything that gets you started. That gets the momentum because then tomorrow it's so much easier to take the next step. And then that third step is a little bit bigger maybe. And then that fourth step might even be running. And that's how we make it to our goals. That's how we make it to that big vision that we want, not by building the jetpack. Mm, absolutely. Now, I love everything that's happening right now, but let's say someone is about to take that first step mm-hmm. and, and their foot's up, right? They're about to step down yep. and then they're yep. like, hold on, but maybe I'm not good enough. Mm, yeah. Those stories. What if I fail? And they start coming up with all these things circulating in their mind, questioning whether or not they're on the right path. What do you do then? Well, I like to say the truth is we love the story of the underdog unless we're the underdog, right? (laughs) Every great movie is about an underdog, right? Rocky has survived decades because everybody loved him because he's the underdog, right? We love the underdog in any story of anyone who's been successful. You can name anyone out there. There is a story of failure. There's a story of procrastination. There's a story of not knowing what they're doing, but moving forward anyways. The truth is we feel like being naive, being new to something or not knowing what we're doing is this you know, thing that holds us back. And the truth is not knowing what you're doing is like the greatest gift of all. Because when you don't know what's impossible, everything feels possible. When I started my first business, with $50. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to grow this to absorb my husband's MBA income. That idea of growing it to six figures is crazy. Anyone out there, a business coach would have told me, okay, hold back. That's, that's asking for a lot, but I didn't, I didn't realize it. So I just went out there and I tried things and I tested things out because I didn't know the boundaries of what other people said I should or should not do. I created my own boundaries, which is how I scaled to the six figures so quickly, right? To absorb his income. Same thing with when I started my second company, scaling to seven figures in less than 18 months. I was able to do that because I wasn't paying attention to what everybody else was doing and the limitations they were placing on me. When we don't know what we're doing, it's the greatest gift because we can dream so much bigger and we can choose to go on paths that other people haven't done before. So don't see that as anything holding you back. See it like like we see it with our kids. Don't we just love the wonder and awe we see in our children when they experience something for the first time or they're taking something in? We stop and we watch them and it's magical. We have that magic as adults. We have that capability if we will allow ourselves to embrace the wonder, to embrace the awe and let ourselves figure things out. You just lit up. When you were talking about that, I just have like your passion. It just shines through and mm, yeah. Thank you. I, I am so passionate about what I do. It's I think that's why I'm so passionate about helping other people become mm-hmm. passionate because I know what it's like to wake up and feel like, oh, work, got to go to work today or oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I would love to like encapsulate this feeling of loving what you're doing and just going out there and trying it out. It really is. It's an amazing feeling. And I want everyone to experience it. Mm. Oh, and this part might be a conversation for another day, but I've got to bring <laughs> it in <laughs> because, because the $50 starting your own company, looking mm-hmm. to scale it quickly. I started my first business. I was 15 years old and I dumpster dove for hubcaps and was selling them on eBay. Oh my gosh. Now that's eventually, a story. <laughs> eventually, you know, I didn't have hubcaps. They were in a warehouse. We, we made things a little bit nicer, but well, that's, so we, we all, all, all going to start, right? Exactly. I, I started in a kitchen at a desk that was one foot by like two feet. You don't have to have the Pinterest worthy apartment. You don't have no. to have the, the fancy desk. Like, don't let those things feel like they hold you back. Jump in the dumpster, find the hubcaps, get yourself started, whatever it takes. I love that. I mean, it, yeah. it shows grit, right? It shows resilience. And I think every single one of us has that ability. We yeah. sometimes just forget that it's there. Mm. And you know what? If I'm remembering back to the beginning of that journey, family and friends thought I was crazy. I mean, I think they still do. Oh, yeah. Actually. Oh, yeah. But I know for a lot of people that can be way too much coming at them or coming down on them. And they're worried like, okay, maybe I'll lose friends. Maybe my family won't respect me anymore. And so they use that as a reason to, to not start or the fact that they don't have a setup that they want or an idea, or it's not going to look super pretty, right? They allow all these things to get in their way. So what do you do when the world's not really opening up the doors for you necessarily? (laughs) Yeah, I totally get that. You know, it's funny. I just, this morning I was doing, um, I was guest lecturing at High Point University for a class and I was telling the students there because one of the students was asking questions about podcasting and they're like, do you, do you have to have a fancy setup? Is, do I need to rent out a place? And I was like, listen, the first 2 million downloads of my podcast, I recorded in my closet. You don't have to have anything fancy right? The uh-huh. closet's great because it's great. Got, got great acoustics, 2 million downloads of my podcast. I'm in the closet, right? So you don't have to have it fancy. You really don't. And let's talk about the buy-in from our family members and our friends. Cause I think that's a big one. And that's mm-hmm. really easy. I hear that all the time from people like, Oh, my family doesn't buy in. My family thinks I'm crazy or they don't know what I do. I mean, I'm like, thank God I wrote a book because now my mom can be like, this is what she does. Right? Like our parents uh- sometimes- <laughs> don't understand what we do. And and that's okay. But here's the thing. A lot of times my parents were not supportive. My parents, and you have to remember, I'm the CEO of my company. My husband works for me. It's totally counter to how my parents grew up. It's totally counter to how his parents grew up. And they're like, wait, what? That's not okay. Like, that's not how this works. You, the wife shouldn't be the breadwinner. We've, we've changed that things have have switched for them. So that's good lessons for them, but they weren't really buying in on it. They didn't really believe in it. And the truth is a lot of times our friends and our families don't buy in on our dreams, not because they don't believe in us, not because they don't care. It's because they do care for us. It's because they do love us. They want us to be safe. And what you're doing right now may not make you happy, but it sure does make you safe. And we sure know what's going to happen next because you're safe and you're here and we're not worried about these other things. If you go out into that great big wild world, we don't know if we can protect you anymore. So they do everything they can to hold you close. So keep in mind that when family members don't buy in, 
oftentimes it is out of love. And that just means it's okay. Sometimes we have to to walk out of our tribes. Doesn't mean we're leaving our tribes, but step out of our tribes and find new people, right? Who do understand what we do, who can support us, whether it's being in an entrepreneur group or a networking group or whatever it is, there are people outside of your family who can buy in on you. And it's okay that your family doesn't understand what you do, or they don't, they don't really support those goals. You have to buy in on you before anyone else will. And the truth is too, I want you to take a good solid look at how do you describe what you do? Do you say things to people like, well, I got this little company or I'm doing this little thing. Like your voice goes up. You're cramming yourself inside a tiny little box. You're making yourself small. You're saying, hey, treat me like a hobbyist, right? Treat me like it doesn't really matter because it's just this thing. If instead you roll your shoulders back, you hold your chin up high and say, I'm an entrepreneur. I've got a business where I do X, Y, and Z. I help my customers do these things, right? Talk about how you solve people's problems. Wow, that's a totally different way for people to receive you. How you present yourself to the world is how people will receive you. So really being intentional with how you describe what you do, understanding why you do what you do when you explain it to people and be proud, be proud of what you do. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter if you're a ditch digger or a hairdresser or president of Amazon or whatever. Be proud of what you do. Think about how you're solving people's problems because that matters and that makes an impact in so many people's lives. Oh, that's a beautiful example. And Something I'm going to take into account is we have family coming over tonight. So (laughs) my family's flying in from Florida and we never see them. So I'm definitely going to use this. And now a little while ago, you said, and I hope I get this right, that you made the jump from six to seven figures in 18 months. Is that correct? Well, I, I start, so I started that first business, grew that to six figures, ended up closing that business because it really wasn't aligned with my purpose. It really was, I started that first company because, you know, I was already doing it. It was a side hobby. And I thought, oh, I can grow this and absorb his income. Well, we got that one going and it was paying all the bills. It was paying the mortgage, feeding my kids the three meals a day they love, taking us on vacations and buying us big houses. But it wasn't checking the boxes of what fits in my soul, right? It wasn't really lighting me on fire. So I made the really tough decision to close that business keeping in mind that my husband worked for me. So that meant we had no income coming in for six months, right? So I really had to dig deep and figure out what is it I want to do? What what is it I meant to do in this world? So I closed up that first business and went without income, six months, opened up Inkwell Press Productivity Co., scaled that to uh, seven figures in 18 months. And I did it, by the way, with three employees, me, my husband, John, and one other person who was a part-timer. So you can do it. You don't need big team. You don't need investors. You absolutely can do it when you're really intentional and clear on your purpose, what you want to say yes to. Mm. See, that was my question. My question was, yeah, what inside of you had to shift and had to change in order for you to scale to that level? Yeah, well, it really was um, figuring out what are the tasks that really move the needle for me. Um, so one of the first things I did um, as I, that I had learned from my first business. So again, that was something I put in that backpack, right? My first business, the things that went well, the things that didn't go well, like the failures, I learned from all of that. So when I started my second company, I wasn't starting fresh. 
I was like, okay, I have a lot of knowledge. I took out that backpack. I unpacked it and looked at all the lessons. Some of the lessons I learned were things like, um, instead of trying to do wear all the hats at the same time, I started having themed days. So Monday was marketing Mondays and I put more emphasis on marketing on Mondays. Tuesday was for product development and really leaning into innovations for my products. Wednesday was for shipping and fulfillment and warehousing type tasks, warehousing at that time being in my you know basement. Uh, <laughs> Thursday, so each day had a theme or an idea so I could dive deeper into it. Instead of going shallow with all the different areas of my business, I gave each day a bigger focus. That wasn't to say that if a marketing emergency came up on Thursday, I was like, well, that's for Monday. I just wouldn't revolve my day around marketing on Thursdays. My day for marketing was really on Monday and I didn't get emergencies because it had a deeper, deeper day, right? Where I spent more time on it. The other thing that I had figured out to do was really applying Pareto principle, um, which many people know of as, as the 80-20 rule, right? It's focusing on the vital few. It says that it's the vital few tasks that make the biggest impact. 20% of your customers bring in uh, 80% of your sales. 20% of your team do about 80% of the work. It's not always perfectly 80-20, but 20% of your tasks are really what's driving revenue. It's what's moving the needle for your business. So if you start to really take a look at what are those tasks, what are the jobs, what are the people, right? Who are the clients I need to focus in on? We don't have to do it all. We can focus mostly on that vital few instead of trying to be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. So once again, we're talking about five steps here instead of 50, right? But it's just really taking a look at your business and saying, okay, who are the customers that are my main customers that bring in all the great referrals who spend the most money? What are the products that I offer or the services I offer that are bringing in most of that revenue? Why am I doing all these other ones? Focus in on those fewer things. But we get caught up again in quantity. We need to have more, more services, more products, more customers, more people on our email list. And a lot of times we get caught up in those false metrics of how good things look to the outside when it's not really bringing us the revenue or the life we want. The truth is your business is a vehicle for the life that you want. You are not working for your business. Your business works for you and the life that you desire. Mic drop right there. <laughs> it's true no, when you it really when is. you shift that thinking it's so much easier when you think to yourself mm -hmm. because one of the things that happens is we feel like we have to get this level of revenue and when i'm working with entrepreneurs or small companies i say well why is this your revenue goal and they're like i don't know because because it is and you're like well what is that going to afford you what is it getting you to so if instead we start looking at what's the lifestyle i want one year from now five years from now ten years from now what does that look like with my relationships, where I'm living? What does it look like physically? What does it feel like emotionally? Get really clear on what you want to do. And then it's like, oh, how much money do I need to have to live that life? A lot of times it's less than you think. You don't need to be a billionaire. I have no desire to, to run a hundred million dollar company. You know why? I wouldn't have time to like sit on the deck with my husband in the mornings, drinking our tea and coffee, right? Or, you know, enjoying like, taking a nice read in the afternoon as my break. I'd be hustling all the time. Mm -hmm. So really think about the lifestyle you want and then back it up and figure out, oh, this is how much money I need to have. Then that gives you a much stronger target to aim for. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then I feel what I see happen a lot, and I'm sure you do too, is they start the business, wear all the hats like you brought up earlier, yeah. 
And then all of a sudden, there's no life at all. Yes. And they've mm-hmm. become chained like a prisoner to this business and yeah. it's running their life. They're so like, I feel like people wear self-employed as a badge of honor. And I don't know how your take is with that, but I don't really, like, I, w- I don't really self, I don't associate with being self-employed because I don't want to be employed by myself. Yeah. What is your, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I like that. That's interesting. Yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. I think that's the thing is, is we go into entrepreneurship because we think we want these freedoms, time freedom, lifestyle freedom, location freedom, all the freedoms. And then we're chaining ourselves to our office because we're afraid not to reply to the Instagram messages or, Mm -hmm. oh, I get a Facebook messenger post at like 11 o'clock at night. I have to reply. And the truth is you don't. You don't. If you set really clear boundaries and you really establish that people will respect you more. People love working with people who have boundaries. They they, they find it awe-inspiring a lot of times. So like, tell me how you do it. I'm like, well, I just set them and then I share them, <laughs> right? Like mm-hmm. I put them in contracts. I put them in my email footer. I put them in my, my voicemail. You just communicate them. But what happens is we get really caught up in this whole idea of more, right? I, if you're not growing, you're dying. And the truth is we don't all have to be Amazon. You really don't. It's okay to want to run a six-figure company. You don't have to want to be seven figures. If you do, that's great too. I mean, that's what I run, but you don't have to want that. What really works for you, right? But again, get really clear on one of the things I love to do with people is I'll say, okay, get out some note cards, like just like little note cards or post-it notes. I want you to list out all of your products and your offerings, and then go into the back end of your computer system because no matter whether you're doing, you know, Shopify or you're using, you know, uh, QuickBooks or anything like that, you can then rank and find out how much revenue each one of those offerings is bringing, mm-hmm. and then start ranking them. Move those cards in order of your highest revenue bringer right to your lowest, and then when you look at that, you're going to go, okay, wait, why am I spending this much time on these 80% down here? I should totally just be focusing on these one or two things or three things or however many it is, right? Mm. So again, our, what are we doing here? Reconciling receipts. Isn't that what we're doing? We're reconciling, we brought our full, I love closing a loop. We're, we're taking <laughs> yep. a step back. We're taking a look and we're saying, all right, these receipts don't work for me. Okay, mm. I'm gonna do these things. You can do it with your clients. You can do it with a thousand different ways. This is us when we have this big giant list of things that we're doing, that's us saying yes to anything and everything that knocks on our door, right? Get choosy. You know what? You deserve to be choosy. Who are you to be picky? Well, you're amazing. You were designed for greatness. We all were. There's nothing wrong with saying no to a request for your time or a request for a product. You don't have to make a product for every single person out there. Think about who your, I like to call them your soulmate client. The client who your heart sings when their name shows up in your email inbox and they love you and they're amazing and you have such a great time together. We want more of those. We don't want to sell to anyone and everyone. Get really clear on who that is. Do the same activity with your customers. Who do I really want to spend my time with? Let me get them to start referring me, right? And that's how you build a business that feels intentional. Really, really getting clear on those things. Reconciling the receipts. It all goes back to that. It absolutely does. Oh, and now I'm sure look, I'm one of them. Where do we find your book? How can we get more? <laughs> yeah. So the best place to find me is tanyadalton.com. 
Uh, you can find links to how my speaking, my books, my podcast there. My books are available anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, um, Joy of Missing Out, as well as On Purpose. Uh, as far as listening to my podcast, whatever podcast platform you're listening to this right now, after this episode, just do a search for my name or The Intentional Advantage and give me a follow. I'm like 270 some odd episodes in so far on my podcast. So there's lots to pull from. Uh, and I do new episodes all the time. So tanyadalton.com or search for The Intentional Advantage with Tanya Dalton. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And do you have anything you would like to say just to wrap this show up? Yeah, well, let's go back to that idea of the Grand Canyon, right? Those small steps. Mm. Here's what I would challenge everyone to do today. I want you to gift yourself. And I use that word gift very intentionally. Gift yourself 15 minutes today. I promise you can do it. If you can't gift yourself 15 minutes, we got to have a serious talk here, right? Give yourself 15 minutes to do one of the things we talked about today. Maybe it's, you know, listing out your, your services or your products, or maybe it's, you know, saying no to an opportunity or coming up with that phrase for yourself when someone asks you if you can do something that gives you that space to step back. What's one thing you heard today that you were like, ooh, I wanna do that. Give yourself 15 minutes to do that. That'll get you started. That gets you the momentum. Thank you so much. That momentum is so important. So oh, it's so everything. Much. Thank you. Yeah.